Good Thursday morning to everybody and welcome to On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we are two days away. That just It's hard to fathom. <laughs> of course, Sark, he's going to have his final press conference this morning around 11 o'clock. <laughs> but Bobby, is there anything that you're expecting to learn from this or to you know look for? Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I want to kick the Jerry here in a second because of something he's heard late. I, my, my take on this, first of all, is that it's typical to have one last press conference prior uh, to the season beginning. I doubt at this point that uh, Sark releases a depth chart. He didn't do it a year ago. We were anticipating him possibly doing it on the Monday, uh, but I, I doubt that occurs at this point. Uh, really, I think it's just uh, probably updating people on the health of the team, uh, thoughts, uh, final thoughts before the Rice game, uh, and, uh, you know, more customary stuff uh, from uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I don't want to say he's uh, – I don't want to say that he doesn't reveal much because I actually think he's very candid in his uh, uh, approach with the media, but he's also pretty smart about what he wants to divulge. Right. And so uh, I like I like how he handles the media. Interested to see what he has to say at 11. One thing I do want to mention something we've been talking about these battles and, and Jerry picked up on something uh, late yesterday that I thought was of interest. Yeah. Uh, Sutter Baxter's uh, definitely taking first, some first team reps this week in uh, practice leading up to the game. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. The question is, has he taken all the first round first team reps? We can't say that. Uh, for sure, but he's definitely uh, taking some first-team reps this week ahead of the Rice game, and that continues to kind of fall in line with what we reported inside Texas. He's made a big-time move, uh, especially the second half of fall camp, and uh, that he is uh, very much in contention to be the starting running back come Saturday against Rice. Uh, Jerry, Dominic McKinley, the other pressing news, he announces tomorrow at 3.30, I believe at Laf at Acadiana High prior to their game. Uh, what – what are the latest there? Latest trend sounds like maybe A&M or OU instead of Texas. That's that's where I, I think it's trending right now uh, for sure. We'll see anything happens. Look, he has not notified schools, whether they're out or of a decision. Um, that will either happen tonight or um, early in, uh, Friday morning before he before school and before he uh, announces at 3.30. Uh, but, yeah, I think, right, I think right now that's where I would go, Bobby, with it. Um, and, and I still – I still think close to home plays a, as a factor. Um, but I do think that um, the mom would be comfortable enough if he ended up wanting to go, to go to Oklahoma. I'm not saying he is, but I think she'd be comfortable enough that her son would be cared for there. It's going to be interesting because, look, Texas has been on, in on this the whole time. Uh, obviously, A&M and OU have been on him the whole time as well. Could just come down to fit where he feels the most comfortable. I don't think it's going to be an NIL decision. If it were, Texas is as good as anybody. Yeah. So let's be clear about that. This is going to be about where he fits. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the, the reality of it, and that's what it's coming down to at this point. We have a couple of questions already, guys, regarding McKinley. So let's go ahead and jump over to those real quick. This first one, more of a comment, but I want to get your opinion on it, Jerry. It's from It's Lep. It says, the McKinley recruitment has a long way to go regardless of where he commits to on Friday. Do you believe that to be the case? Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I, I can tell you from being at Acadiana High two weeks ago, uh, the Acadiana staff is treating this as a commitment, definitely not a signing ceremony. Uh, so, and that's, uh, that's before he, the kid told them anywhere about where he was going. They, they just, um, they feel like this is a commitment and then they'll have a signing ceremony in December because they know this recruitment will continue. Um, and, and look, obviously that's from the LSU side too, over there. Um, a lot of those guys are obviously LSU fans, um, uh, that are coaching in the state. So that's coming from the LSU side of things as well. You got that comment here. Hook them from the Netherlands looking for a consistency and error-free performance from yours against Rice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's <a very laughs> hey, somebody was from Fayetteville. I got to say this. Somebody posted this morning from Fayetteville. And I, I was like, I I think the Fayetteville – uh, moniker was from back in the late 60s, early 70s. That's what my dad used to call Fayetteville, Vietnam. So, uh, but uh, he is definitely in enemy territory there. Well, hey, Bobby, uh, yesterday there was an article on Inside Texas about the Longhorns in the NFL. And I know that you kind of did a deep dive into those numbers. And I was hoping that you could touch on that this morning for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, look, Texas has 30 former players that made opening day rosters in the NFL. The cut was down to 53 per team yesterday. Now, that doesn't include DeMarvian Overshone, who's injured, Charles Amenahu, who, uh, who is uh, suspended, uh, Colt McCoy, uh, who hasn't picked up a team yet. Uh, but 30 players overall uh, that, that the Longhorns have on NFL opening day rosters that finished their career with Texas. What was interesting was the lack of certain positions and the strength of certain positions. You two guys, who do you, what position? I'm going to ask this to everybody. What position do you are two positions? Do you think at Texas stand out way above the rest as far as number of pros, number of players in the in the NFL from the Longhorns? Just D, D line and DB. Yeah. Okay. DB. They're both right, but specifically safety there are seven former longhorns at safety in the nfl that's quite i mean pj yeah. lock guys like pj lock brennan schooler adrian phillips uh gosh caden stearns deshaun elliott brandon jones it's crazy adrian phillips is still yeah seven yeah. That, i thought that was interesting in the league yep defensive line was second the interior with six yeah so those were the ones, the negatives, in my opinion, that you could really point to. Only three offensive linemen. Correct. Okay. And that is the most populated position on the football field. Yeah. So there's theoretically, you should have as many offensive linemen as you do anything else. Right. Uh, but only three for Texas. Uh, the other one uh, that was weak, in my opinion, linebacker with just one. Yeah. Okay. And that's Jordan Hicks. Now, Overshone is on injured, so they would have two. But I went and did something with Brian Irwin. Uh, I talked with Brian Irwin on Monday for lunch with the coach guys. Mm -hmm. And here's where it gets really interesting. He started comparing Texas to Georgia and what Texas needed to do to become a team like Georgia, right? Fair. I thought that was a fair measuring stick. That's what, if you want to be champs, compare yourselves to them. That's right. right. Listen to this. Georgia has, Texas has 30. Georgia has 50 who made opening day rosters, Okay. This is the most astounding stat I think I've ever heard. Linebackers. Texas, remember, has one. Georgia has 10 in the NFL. Yep. 
10. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. Texas actually has more defensive tackles in the NFL than Georgia, which I didn't think would have six to five. Uh, Georgia, of course, has some more decorated ones, higher picks. Right. Uh, but really, and Texas has more safeties, seven to two. Georgia only has two safeties. But they do have, look, five defensive tackles, three def- defensive ends, 10 linebackers, seven offensive linemen compared to Texas with just three. And, so, and what that tells you, the Georgia linebacker position, that those are guys off the edge. Those are guys that play off the ball. They got it all covered. Yes. I mean, I don't know that I've ever heard of a single team having 10 linebackers in the league. That, that's that's crazy. That is a phenomenal number at a time when the league really only plays two linebackers a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, absolutely geez. insane. Well, hey, guys, we got a, a super chat here from Bomb City Blue Jay. He says, hook them from Happy Texas. And I think we're all a little happy this morning yeah. as we're here. As college football, of course, starts again tonight, and then uh, high school football. And speaking of high school football, Jerry, where are you going this weekend? Well, I, I'm going to go watch uh, Jonah Williams and Malcolm Simpson at Galveston Ball versus Texas City. Um, yeah, two of the top 2025 defensive prospects in the state. Uh, I'm going to go over there to Galveston tonight. Um, you know, it's it, it's I, I always I always love going the ball high, going down that way for games. Uh, it's some of my best memories uh, as a kid growing up and around my dad when he was coaching and in this business. I mean, you know, Bobby, I mean, I, I don't I can't remember if you were at this game or not, but David Warren and John Tyler played at Galveston Ball on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> and I mean, it was Casey Hampton, Gary Baxter, David Warren. I mean, it there was some talent. David Warren blocked three punts in that game. And I, kept, I and I remember thinking. I'm still not sure Casey Hampton wasn't the best player on the field, even with that, even with David Warren doing that. I mean, I so I get excited. Malcolm Simpson, look, ball beat up on Lamarck 56-6 last week. Obviously, it's not your Alan Waddell and Brian Irwin Lamarck anymore. Okay. That school's different. All those kids are at Dickinson now. Uh, but Malcolm Simpson, the junior defensive lineman, I hey, Wayne Oldham, absolutely. Uh, they're gonna they I believe they're playing Daphne tomorrow. Um uh, that'll be a good game down there in Mobile. But Malcolm Simpson had nine tackles and four sacks against Lamarck. Now, again, they beat Lamarck 56-6, so it's not like Derek Foster taking handoffs and sprint draw at Lamarck anymore, okay? Uh, but Malcolm Simpson, I think, is really coming on as a 2025 defensive lineman in the state, a much deeper defensive line class in Texas than Jonah Williams. It's one of the top-ranked athletes slash linebackers and prospects in the country in a 25 class. All right. Well, let's get to some questions. Plenty of time to get those in, so please do so. And uh, we got a super chat here from Football Junkie. He says, any updates on who is starting alongside Watts and Ford? Why do you guys think it's taking so long to announce official starters at those positions? Competition. That's why. Um, Benda is is the starter alongside Watts, or alongside Ford, though. That's our understanding. That one's kind of been decided, although we believe – Given that Maurice Blackwell is out for two to four weeks, now more like three weeks, it sounds like, based on when his injury occurred. Um, Benda is going to be the starter, we believe. Anthony Hill will play a lot. Okay, so that's one. Ryan Watts is a little bit different in that he's the boundary corner, the field corner. We have not heard who the final winner of that battle is or if there's going to be a winner. They may just play them both, and that's Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes. Uh, So... Uh, but I, I would say that for the cornerback position, not necessarily the linebacker position, I think it has to do with depth. 
the running back position, the same thing, quality and depth. When you have guys, it's not like – I look, I think Terrence Brooks is going to play in the NFL. I think Gavin Holmes is going to play in the NFL. I think, you know, when you have two guys that are that good balling out and trying to win, I think it's good that it's it's coming down to the to the very last second. Thanks for the super chat, by the way. Football yeah, thank junkie. you. Thank you, football junkie. All right. Jerry gets the jerky from uh, – are you, do you buy your jerky from Bucky's or from Love's? Where do you go, Jerry? Love's, <laughs> lo- Love's on the road. Love's. It's that Robertson's. I didn't even know what it, I didn't even know what the brand was until this comment section started hitting me on the beef jerky brands, and it's the Robertson's brand uh, that is sold at Love's in these plastic containers. And I normally buy the big one before you know once every couple of months for the road. <laughs> Wonder how much beef jerky in pounds you eat. <laughs> My stomach's saying too much. <laughs> All right, Jerry. This question is going to be for you. It's from E. Kim. He says, "What's the who's the best Louisiana high school football prospect in the 2025 class?" Oh gosh, I mean Harlem Berry is uh, is the best. I would say all perfect, all purpose back in the country at St. Martin's Episcopal School. So. He's right there. He's the number one ranked prospect in the state in the on three industry rankings in 2025. Um, Jabari Antoine, the defensive back corner out of Westgate, New Iberia, former teammate of Derek Williams. He'll be at the Texas game Saturday, by the way. Uh, so he'll get this watch uh, uh, Derek Williams' first college game, former teammate of his. Uh, you know, Moses, Keelan Moses, linebacker, obviously, Dylan Moses' little brother, uh, University Lab and, and BR. Uh, he's a guy that Texas has been in contact a lot with uh, since August. Um, a linebacker there in Baton Rouge at University Lab. He's very good. James Simon, the running back at Calvary Baptist, Texas really likes. He was at the September 3rd uh, elite camp there. He'll be back for a game this year. Devin Harper, offensive lineman from Captain Shreve, another one up in the Shreveport area that's very talented. I think those five guys, there's a linebacker, Corey Amos at Opelousas as well, but I think those five guys are going to be in contention for that number one spot. I can tell you this, as far as big bodies in the Pelican State, 2026 is the class. 2025 may be a little bit more skill in Louisiana. 2026 has some big athletic dudes in that state now. Well, speaking of 2025 recruiting, we got another question for you real quick from Tyler Davis. He says, Jerry, we've attempted to go into St. Louis the last two classes for receiver, Wingo and Kevin Coleman. Are we showing interest in Isaiah Mosey or De'Aire Hill in 2025? Uh, you know, I have not heard on that for sure. I mean, look, Texas is all in on DeCorey and Moore. They're trying on Ryan Williams, obviously, Sarah Land. Uh, committed to Bama. Uh, so those are the top two guys. And and obviously they're recruiting some other guys. And Texas didn't push for for Kevin Coleman, though. Wingo's the first guy they've really pushed for. Um, I'm very interested to see in future years. I, I think Texas should recruit that area. And I've Bobby and I have talked about this for two years on this on these uh live streams and whatnot. That, that Texas should recruit more in that area. Those kids are not Big Ten inclined, they're more inclined to go the way of the SEC. Um, just look at Williams, Northern Aries recruitment, Missouri over Oklahoma and Georgia. Ryan Wingo is Missouri, Texas, Tennessee. Those guys are going to tr- trend to the SEC, especially once Missouri went to the SEC and left the Big 12. So I think Texas should recruit a lot of kids in that area and Kansas City probably as well, Bobby. I, I love I love that that area of the country because they have no home. That's right. That That's the – and I don't mean that – 
I don't mean that like Missouri or Kansas and Kansas State aren't right there. They're not considered the elite of college football right. uh, from a fan base perspective. And so though they when when you go, it's the same with Arizona kids. Yeah. Phoenix, you know, Arizona State's right there and 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 uh, Tucson's a hundred and something miles away, but they're not elite programs. So they look to go just about anywhere as opposed to stay home. Yeah. And, and that's where, and they're major metro areas, right? Which yeah. fit Austin a little bit. Um, and so I, I think that's that's some of what Texas should do. And I think the same, at one point in time, Texas did do extremely well in Colorado. In Colorado Springs, that little corridor, Lamar Houston, Bo Scaife, some really good players. Uh, Casey Studdard uh, out of Colorado as well. Uh, some really good players in, in that area. Gunner, Gunner Helm this year. Yeah, yep. Jimmy Trevino with the Super Chat says, Wingo's week one highlights were nuts. We need him badly. Yeah. Big so receiver. I was told he came in at Texas at 6'1 and three quarters or five eights or, or something like that and 200 pounds and looked amazing. Yeah. So he is that big receiver uh, that could potentially replace an A.D. Mitchell and or Isaiah Nayor on the outside. Just keep that in mind. Texas is going to need, uh, yes, they have Parker Livingstone and Freddie DeBose is a big, bigger receiver as well. They're going to need a guy like Wingo still. Um, it, it, somebody asked for a comparison as a player yeah. with Wingo. Um, you know, that that's a tougher one for me. I mean, like, um, you know, I, he's not as explosive athletically as Julio Jones, so I don't want to go there. Um, I was going to say, that's pretty high cotton. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go there. You know, then you – you know, somebody on one of these uh, chats that brought up A.J. Green, he's different. A.J. Green leaving his feet and going after the ball was is about as good as you'll ever see. Um, I, I still need to uh, – um, I still need to think about and get a really good comp for him. I haven't come up with one just watching some – uh, you know, somebody asked if he's the same, same person asked if he's similar to Jalen Hale. I, he's a bigger frame. Jalen Hale was six, one and a half, 172 pounds as a senior in high school. Ryan Wingo's six, two and 205. I mean, so he's a much bigger prospect. All right, we're going to knock out a couple more super chats real quick, guys. UT boy with the hook them this morning. So hook them back to you, UT boy. We appreciate it. And then Antonio Harris here, uh, Bear with me as this is a two-parter. He says, speaking on positions, Watts will not play corner in the league. Why not have Brooks on one side and Manny on the other? This reminds me of Herman not playing Bijan because of his age, not talent. What is y'all's thoughts on that? I disagree, um, and here's why. Uh, for Pete Kwiatkowski's defense, uh, Watts is more than capable in run support, right? Um, he, he is a bigger corner. He also has a full two years experience playing college football. I think in the league, he has a chance to play safety. Correct. Actually. It's not like he's not a good player and, and you just have a, a guy out there that, that can't play the game. Uh, Manny Muhammad right now is his backup at boundary corner uh, at field. You have Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes. I think Manny Muhammad could also play uh, field. I think Terrence Brooks could also play boundary. I think what Texas is trying to do right now is mix and match everything they've got. Furthermore, I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian is playing favorites with non-freshmen at all. Like that's not, we're hearing that Cedric Baxter is 
running up against Jonathan Brooks right now for first team reps. This isn't Steve. Steve Sarkeesian proved last year. If you're ready, he plays freshman. Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card were locked in a battle. He went with Ewers. Okay. That, don't that, there there are as many things that Steve Sarkeesian may. He's not afraid to play freshman. He he's proven that in my book. Yeah, and he's and, about to show it again. Yeah, exactly. And he's about to show it again. So I don't think he's playing favorites. Like the thing about Manny uh, Muhammad that I think's what will be interesting. If he could, if he does get time and he starts getting his hand on the ball, that's the thing, right? Because then, then you look for ways to get a guy that creates turnovers on the field. I'm just telling you, coaches yep. will do that. It doesn't matter who you are because that affects winning and losing. Period. I've got a super chat here from Victor Aldridge. Thank you, Victor. He says, does our strength of schedule get us into the playoff if it comes down to that with one or two losses? I don't think with two losses. I don't know. Lose two early, win 10 in a row, nine in a row, something like that is the only possibility with two losses. With one, I think they're in. Correct. Unless it's the last game of the year. Unless it's like a they lose the Big 12 championship and then somehow – beat Alabama and, and went out the, the whole have a magical season somewhat like somewhat like TCU yeah. right they lost the the big 12 championship then I could see uh a one law uh, you know but I I feel like if Texas has one loss they're in the national championship picture right yeah two losses I just don't I don't see them in the playoff and then let's follow up on that question with this one from Shavan Patel he says good morning if Texas falls short of the college football playoff do y'all think they'll at least be in a New York uh, New Year's Six Bowl? I do. I mean, I, look, I think this Texas team is going to have 10 regular season wins. Now, whether that's 10 and 2, 10 and 3, whatever the number. Right. That's going to get you – a Texas team with 10 wins is going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl at the very least. Somebody will want them enough. The interesting no thing is that I do believe Notre Dame is going to be good enough this year to take one of those spots too. So keep that in mind uh, as we as we look forward because they they typically are the only team that might outdraw Texas uh, or draw similarly to Texas from a, a fan base perspective that people want to add to to that uh, lineup. And then Gus Fleener here with the schedule question. He says, "In the coming years, what do y'all think about scheduling historic Southwest Conference foes in the non-conference?" As long as we have three non-conference games, we could throw in a TCU, Baylor, SMU, et cetera. What are y'all's thoughts on that? You could give up on Texas Tech being added to that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Texas Tech and Houston are no chance. Yeah. Did, did I would you, say the TCU's a little chance. You know, if I was looking at somebody, maybe Baylor. No, I don't think they're good. Baylor's Central Texas. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to do – Rice is a former Southwest Conference foe. Yeah. Um, Arkansas is a former Southwest Conference foe. I think they, they think they're probably going to play enough. I would have, I would imagine of that group, it might be SMU, but they already have a game in Dallas every year, Jerry. Right. Um, That's a thing. That's yeah. A, TCU, though, is different because of the history there. Chris Del Conte also has a uh, relationship there uh, as well. Um, I, did y'all see what uh, Dana Holgerson said this week? J Blake put it up on the uh, notes <laughs> for uh, today. Uh, and said that uh, basically when Texas and Texas A&M kept Houston out of the Big 12, his quote was, screw them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think Houston's going to be on the list either now. 
At least you know, not while Dana's there. Look, I, I mean, hey, he's going to continue hey, to play Rice. It's a, it's yeah. a good two yeah. for one, probably Houston versus uh, Houston versus Austin game for Texas. Well, look, I mean, Dana's he's made plenty of money as a head coach. Let's just hope he's not looking for an OC job at one of those two schools anytime in the future. After that. <laughs> like this year, after about game eight, when Fatima hey, had enough. Scott B wants to know your thoughts on what Dana had to say. <laughs> I think he's just, I think it's the same as always. Um, I don't necessarily, if I were a U of H fan, I would say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I think, screw them. Okay. <laughs> A fan can say that. A college coach, why? You know, it's just inviting, you know, inviting advert. I, I, I don't, maybe they have to say it to gain attention for themselves and to rally their fan base. But can you imagine, can you imagine Steve Sarkeesian saying that? Probably no. not. Hey, um, I, instead, I, he I, points I, out, instead, he points out the hypocrisy of a sportsmanship letter. And kind of just lets it speak for itself. Yeah, I think that's, it's that's easy. how you handle situations like that. It's easier to say that now that they're in a Power Four conference. Mm-hmm. By the way, <laughs> yes, I, I don't think you'd be spouting off like that if it was in the AAC or whatever. Um, so, oh, wait, so what did we just had a comment on Lamarcus Aldridge from Victor Aldridge? I didn't get to read that. What did that say, Blake? He says, my cousin LaMarcus says, what's up? And he's predicting an undefeated season this year. He was on campus yesterday, and he says it's buzzing similar to the 05 Vince Young year. How about that? There you go. For those that don't know, LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously, um, from Seagoville, went to the University of Texas, uh, was on a lead eight team, uh, fabulous NBA career. I believe Victory lives up in the Dallas area still, uh, as, as retired now. Uh, but great to see him around the University of Texas basketball program a lot. Um, and obviously got a sneak uh, got a sneak peek at some other stuff yesterday, so good for him. But, yeah, there's a uh, – look, I, I was told yesterday as well, um, there's, a, uh, there's a little bit more buzz. And, like, when other sports staffs are talking about maybe what they've seen, if they've been out to a practice or something, there's some high – some people that have been around a long time have are getting high expectations this year. They've got guys. That's, that's what it that's, that, that's what it comes down to. They've got pieces. It, Texas yeah. football has pieces right now that they haven't had in mass like this. They've had like the the Sam Ellinger uh, Joe Osai Georgia game, right? That's that was a good football team. Yeah, right. They have those kind of guys, but they have more of them this year. Let's see if they have a leader. Like Sam Ellinger, though, right? That's that's the big piece for me. If they can find that leader, if Quinn Ewers emerges, someone else on offense, I know Jalen Catalan and Jalen Ford are likely to be that on defense. Uh, somebody asked about my thoughts. You don't have to bring it up, John K. Um, mm-hmm. On uh, John K. taking the Rice job, a former North Shore head coach. You know, I'm not surprised by that. Look, I, I think. Um, He'd done a lot at North Shore. He'd been in the high school level a long time. Um, John Kay's a tremendous football coach. I mean, man, the things he did as a disciplinarian at North Shore, sending Zach Evans home the night before state championship, then going on and winning the state championship. You don't see that a lot at the high school level. Um, And being over at North Shore, I've always had such respect for John Kay because of the command he has there. These are not easy jobs with the high expectations and a lot of talent. Um, you have to deal with a lot of those jobs. Uh, but 
I was not surprised to see him jump into the college ranks. I, I think uh, he's coaching linebackers for Rice, and I think that's very natural for him. I think he's a very good evaluator of players as well and talent. Well, speaking of Rice, this question from Robert Muhammad. It's a super chat. Thank you, Robert. He says, how vanilla will Texas be Saturday on offense and defense against the Owls? I think that they'll be somewhat uh, open with the ball early, um, throwing and running. And I think they dial it back in the second half. So I think they want to run their normal offense first and second quarter uh, and try to get into the game plan, uh, maybe first part of the third quarter. And then when the game hopefully gets uh, to a place where Texas can breathe, I think that's when they dial it back. Not before, though, Robert. They may do some things. They, they're going to save some things from Alabama, but I wouldn't call it vanilla altogether. And then King Me here says, over, under, six touchdowns against Rice. Guys, over. what are you thinking? Over. I'd go over. I'm and some you. of that could be special teams slash defensive I think it's going to be 49 or so is what I – I think I predicted 49 to 7, 49 to 3, something like that. Now, watch it be, you know, a closer game, but uh, I think Texas is going to score some points. Yeah, for sure. Somebody asked in this chat what what I think is Je of Jeff Trailer as a, as a head coach at the Power 5 level. Um, I think Jeff Trailer is going to be tremendous at his next stop, wherever that is. And the reason why is he's genuine human being as a head coach. And that is, I think, so important. We talk about Sark being genuine. Um, Joey McGuire is genuine, even if you don't like it as a Texas fan. Uh, Jeff Trailer is a genuine guy. Um, kids will run through the wall for him. He's proven he knows who to hire. Um, he's made a smooth transition from high school head coach with multiple state championships. will be a Hall of Fame guy. Um, winning a conference, what, two years in a row? Um, probably win seven or eight again. They move up a little bit this year. Uh, but look, if he's the next head coach at Baylor, if Gundy retires Oak State or even a bigger job, Jeff Trader will do well. And we have another Rice question here, guys, from Just the Dude. He says, can we expect a lot of sacks and interceptions against Rice? I'm a believer of respecting your opponent, but we are going to pad the stats. <laughs> I hope they do. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I think they need to try to get four uh, sacks at least. Uh, and I need, I don't necessarily care whether it's guys, do y'all care whether it's INTs or turn or, or fumbles? I just think Texas, one of the off in the offseason, Kwiatkowski said four things stop them on third and fourth down better, the op opponents, create turnovers, uh, and then create sacks. So the, the, he's talking about two of the four. I think sacks is one thing. I don't care whether it's INTs or fumbles. Get to the football, take it away. Create game-changing plays via defense. Don't just kind of sit back and let the game happen to you. Yeah, I, I, I don't care how you get the turnovers. I would love to see a safety jumper out, a corner. I mean, I think Barron will make plays. A corner make a Manny Muhammad it, it, that carry over from scrimmages to game immediately. Um, I, I think this secondary, if they create more turnovers, um, I think Texas is going to have a really good season. Jerry Rod Babers. When, when we were talking about this very question, Rod Babers predicted Jalen Catalan and you did too, to have the most interceptions for the Longhorns. Yeah. And so uh, both you guys calling on a safety to kind of amp that up. And that's not a stretch. 
I mean, yeah. no, 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 not at all. If he has a healthy season, that dude's going to intercept three or four or five passes. No doubt about it. The guy lives, right. He lives around the football. He wakes up, rolls out of bed, and he's around the football. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby, earlier in the show, you were talking about NFL players. One thing that we forgot to mention today is both little Jordan Humphrey and uh, Malik Jefferson both made the practice squads. But I was curious, do you have the list position by position for Texas players that are currently in the NFL right now? Yeah, so there's 30 that made the 53-man roster. I don't have the exact name-by-name list. I actually do have it. I just don't have it lined out here. Uh, Quarterback, uh, Texas. I'll just go by position numbers. Quarterback, Texas has one. Obviously, that's Sam. Uh, Running backs, three, including Bijan, Roshan, and Deontay Foreman. Wide receivers, two. Marquise Goodwin and Devin DuVernay, I believe. Yeah. Tight end, Jeff Swaim, Andrew Beck. That's two. Offensive lineman, Calvin Anderson, Sam Cosme, and Cam Williams is now the center at Miami. Uh, defensive end, uh, Joe Osai with the Bengals. Defensive tackle, six. Uh, okay. Linebacker, just one. We mentioned Jordan Hicks. Cornerback, two. Safety, seven. And then three special teams guys, Justin Tucker. Uh, Justin Tucker. Michael Dixon, obviously, and Cameron Dicker winning that job. Also, hats off uh, to our friend uh, Deshaun Jamison, who was cut by the 49ers on Wednesday, but immediately picked up by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Of these 30 guys in the NFL, Jamison is one of 10 Longhorns that were undrafted free agents that uh, are now on the roster. So one-third of Longhorns in the NFL – are actually undrafted free agents. That's crazy. That's a wild stat. Well, hey, guys, plenty of time to get your questions in. We see all of them. But first, before we do that, we have a, uh, a guest today. And uh, let's see if I can bring him in. Nate, are you with us? I'm with you. Can you hear me? No, we can hear you. Nate Boyer, guys, former Texas Longhorn, Seattle Seahawks. Army Green Beret, I mean, actor, TV host, Nate, the list goes on and on. Thank you for joining on Texas Football this morning. Oh, yeah. No, my my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, y'all. <laughs> well, Bobby, Jerry, I'm going to let you guys ask him some football questions, and then I'm going to circle back around to his foundation when y'all are done. Yeah, absolutely. I, hey, Nate, uh, first of all, I, I got to say thank you for your service to the country and to the Longhorn Nation over the year, bud. Um, secondly, uh, what are you up to these days uh, and trying to get going? Hey, I really appreciate that. Um, means a lot. And, and yeah, no, I mean, of course I, I was, I'm very honored and fortunate and grateful to, to be able to, you know, serve the country, be a part of the military and all that. But, uh, you know, didn't grow up a Texas fan, didn't know much about uh, the, Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I guess the enormity of Texas football (laughs) Uh, and not just the university of Texas, the state of Texas, first and foremost, but 
you know, coming out here and, uh, and really being welcomed from the beginning since I got to, to Austin by, uh, just the community and, and people, you know, really do support, uh, the vet community at large and then have that opportunity to, to walk on and to, to eventually play and all that. I did notice, you know, you, you were naming a, a specialist there. Is there any, do we have any long snappers? I don't know if we do. I don't think no, no, you used to be a long snapper. And the I, answer I is no, not right now. You and Cullen Leffler. Yeah, Cullen, Cullen played a long time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I did have an, another thought here. Yeah. You're not the only Longhorn that's been in the military and then came back to play college football. Amard Hall. And, and he played in the NFL. That, yeah, exactly. You know, tell us what you learned in the military that you applied to college football. I had a chance to meet him uh, for the first time, I think in 20, 2012 or something, 2012 or 2013. I got to meet him for the first time, but uh, just a great person. And yeah, he, you're absolutely right. He was, uh, he was a Marine. And then there is a Marine. I shouldn't say was. There is no was Marines. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he he, uh, he did that. And, and then, yeah, played for the Titans and um, just a really solid guy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, these days, you know, I got out of the military. I went to, went to the Seahawks in 2015 after my senior year at UT. And uh, I, I uh, got out of the military about the same time. So, you know, when that ended and football ended, it was kind of, all together and I had to find something to kind of put my energy into. And, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about, uh, MVP, um, merging vets and players in, in a bit, uh, nonprofit I co-founded with Jay Glazer. But, but what I started doing on the personal, personal level was, uh, working in film and television. And I started out with an internship. I was, I was making coffee, uh, and cleaning out the fridge at, uh, Film 44, which is Peter Berg's production company. So Pete, for those that don't know, he's the one who who, who made uh, Friday Night Lights and Lone Survivor. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, football and military-related uh, films over the years. So I thought, if, if there's any place I'm going to learn about this stuff and understand the world, it, it'll probably be there uh, more than anywhere else. So And I did. I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, Pete's son actually goes to UT uh, uh, now. His name's Emmett. Uh, I think he's in the film program, actually. But anyway, uh, so that was that's how how I kind of started in that place, and now it's uh, 2023, so seven seven eight years later, and I'm hosting a show on Discovery Channel called Survive the Raft. That's a competition series uh, mixed with a social experiment, and it's t- ten people from all different walks of life who are living on this raft, floating around the Pacific Ocean in Panama. And they gotta they gotta live together. They gotta work together. They gotta eat together. They gotta sleep together, and they gotta get through this uh, experience together. And um, you know, of course, they're they're playing for, you know, they're playing for money and all this stuff. But it's really about how you know can these people who normally would even have a conversation, they got nothing in common, uh, put that aside uh, for the common good and kind of figure that all out. And you know, and beyond that, just been doing some making some movies. Got got another one hopefully coming up. We'll be shooting here in October, but. Um, the movie uh, MVP, which is based on the genesis of the charity that we'll talk about, uh, is out now as well. You can see it on Amazon Prime and Apple TV and uh, Showtime and a bunch of other places. And it's uh, that's a special one because it's uh, it's about a Marine who was living in a homeless shelter uh, and a former NFL player first year out of the league. And they're going through the same 
struggles losing that uniform, trying to figure out who they are moving forward. And, you know, in that, that movie we had, uh, we had uh, every veteran portrayed on screen was played by an actual veteran. Uh, we had a lot of former NFL players, Michael Strahan and Howie Long had a cameo in it. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, who's now an Austin resident, uh, maybe the greatest tight end ever to do it. He's in it and, and is wonderful. And uh, Randy Couture and a bunch of other, um, you know, legendary athletes who have gone through some of this stuff, that struggle with losing the uniform and trying to figure out who they are next. So that's that's mostly what I got going on these days. Um, but I'm always looking for new challenges. I just ran 100 miles two weekends ago up in Leadville, Colorado. And, um, you know, I'm still limping, but I'm here and I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> well, Nate, you know, you were talking about the MVP Foundation, which is, as you said, merging bets and players. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What what exactly y'all do and maybe how people can contribute to the cause before we let you go and get on with your busy day? No, absolutely. I appreciate that. So. Yeah, merging vets and players, um, you know, what we do at our core is we bring together combat vets and former pro athletes, and we help them find purpose and identity when they lose a uniform. Um, and as I mentioned when I was talking about that movie, about the MVP movie, is uh, it's it's interesting to bring these two groups together to see, you know, normally you'd think, okay, this guy, this Marine is living, he's li- literally living in a homeless shelter on, on, it's on Sunset Boulevard, but it's on East Sunset Boulevard. And then you've got this uh, former NFL player who's living in West Hollywood and he's got a nice house and, you know, a car and he's, he's married. And it, on, the, on the exterior, you think he's got it all together. He's got it all figured out. Life must be great. You know, you got to play professional sports and you made a lot of money and all these things. And it's like, that that has no bearing on your happiness though. And that has no bearing on um, feeling like you have purpose and you, you make a difference and, you know, feeling like you haven't peaked at 25 years old. Like a lot of these vets and athletes feel it's a very common uh, sort of journey. And granted, we're not, we would never compare ward to playing sports. You know, those are very different things. Uh, but the locker room, the camaraderie, um, the, the, the structure, having to sacrifice quite a bit to be elite. You were just talking about all these undrafted guys that are in the league for their, you know, Longhorns. And that's probably the opposite of what most people would think. They'd think, oh, they're all entitled. They went to UT. They're probably just incredible. You know, the best of the best athletes, they were all, you know, first round draft picks. And, you know, all they have to do is not not screw up and they're going to be fine. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's such a grind to get to that place, to have that opportunity. And, of course, everybody understands I think most people understand like how, how challenging it is to serve at a high level in the military. Um, so, you know, for me, when I lost both the uniforms, when I lost the camouflage and the Jersey, trying to figure out who I was, uh, or, or not even who I was, like just what I wanted to do with all this energy I still had inside and all this, um, uh, passion. And, and, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a motivated person that, it has a lot to offer about it. I didn't even, I didn't really know where to start because I put all my eggs in the military basket and then put all my eggs in the, uh, you know, football basket. And now it's like, well, what do I do now? I'm only 34 and I, I got a lot, I got a lot left in the tank. Um, so, you know, what the thing I didn't realize I needed more than anything was just the community was just my brothers, you know, that, 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 uh, that camaraderie. And so when Jay and I, uh, Jay Glazer and I, who I, I co-founded MVP with, when we kind of drummed up this idea, we just thought, hey, let's just 
let's just link up in the gym every week and we'll work out and we'll see where it goes, you know, and just get these guys in uh, a group and get these guys uh, working together again. And kind of organically, the workout turned into, a, you know, a, a makeshift huddle of sorts afterwards where we're hanging out kind of exhausted and people just started talking, you know, and sometimes guys were opening up about some pretty heavy stuff. Normally you wouldn't hear them speak about, but they felt comfortable in that environment because it's like, well, I just went through something with you, uh, pretty challenging. I mean, it was just a workout, but it's like I, I felt that same feeling again when I was pushed a little bit and, uh, you know, really had to give it everything I had and got those endorphins going. And now uh, that I'm done, I kind of feel comfortable being a little bit vulnerable, maybe. And if I'm not doing so great, I, you know, I can. I can say that and I can talk about it and I can talk about what's going on in my life and, and what I'm struggling with. And someone else in that room is going to understand what that feels like and be able to talk me through maybe a time they felt the same way and, and how, what they did to get out of that funk. And just coming to that realization that no matter who you are, veteran athlete or not, like there's just ups and downs in life and there's good days, there's bad days. You know, sometimes you're holding up the Super Bowl trophy and, you know, some days you get cut. That's just life. And, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's not something you should just, you know, accept all the failures and just be like cool with it. But just understanding that that is part of the process, especially when you are a, a motivated person who puts yourself out there and strives for greatness. And that's what most of these men and women uh, who are part of MVP do. So uh, we're in eight chapters now around the country. We're not yet in Austin, but we want to be in Austin very badly. We're in Dallas. That's our closest chapter to here. And, uh, you know, we've been around seven years and we meet up in the gym every week uh, in our chapters and train together. And then we huddle up and it's just peer-to-peer -peer coaching, open open forum. Anything you got going on, you can talk about it. But uh, if you want to learn more, please go to vetsandplayers.org, uh, the website. But also, please watch the movie. Please go watch the MVP movie because you will you will 100% understand who we are and what, we're, what we do and kind of what we're all about if you, if you get the opportunity to check that film out. All right, Nate. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it so much. And again, that's vetsandplayers.org if you if you want to help the cause there. And then, as Nate said, go check out the MVP film. Film. Uh, it's on many different streaming services, so you should be able to find it easily. Nate, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, we. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Hook them. Let's go get them this week. <laughs> Let's do it, Nate. Come Take on. care, buddy. <laughs> All right, Nate Boyer, everybody. So I want to thank him. And guys, we got some super chats rolling in here. Hey, uh, hey, wait, one thing real quick. I got yeah, my, go ahead, I got my player comp physically, probably uh, combine wise for Ryan Wingo, Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay Bucks, Penn State. I was thinking yeah. about that one. So there you go. Chris Godwin, <laughs> go. Penn State, Tampa Bay. Had him in the Under Armour All-America game. One finally came to my mind that physically they're very similar. <laughs> Well, Z from the T, Super Chat here. He says, Nate, thank you for your service. Mental health is something we all battle with. God bless you, brother, and hook them. And again, guys, if you want to go check out Merging Vets and Players, that's vetsandplayers.org, and you can contribute to the cause there. So thank you, Nate, and thank you, Z from the T. All right, Edmund Lee, guys. He says, money to repay Bobby's Super Chat on his BD. The rest for, Jerry a for Jerry's jerky run. To, to Nate, thank you for your service. Embrace the Hate Tour 23. Who else will join this bandwagon until UT exits the Big 12? Hook them horns. They Thank need you, to Eddie. exit. They need to exit the Big 12 like they exited the Southwest Conference and like they entered the Big 12. And that's his chance. Um, uh, thanks. You know, guys, 
Uh, Nate uh, Boyer and Mart Hall, guys, I, the question I wanted really to understand is how much do they learn in the military prior to entering school at Texas? Right. I mean, because I'm just guessing. I have a, I have a nephew that's in, still in the military. They grow up fast a little bit in the military, is my opinion. Uh, you learn how to work if you if you didn't know before, right? Well, and it's forced adversity. So you learn how to respond to adversity. Yep. Forced adversity. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Jimmy Trevino, guys, he has the super chat. He says, does PK have a past of running zero blitz? I feel like we have the secondary to run it more this year to relieve our defensive linemen and edge on some third downs. Your thoughts? That is probably a better question for Ian Boyd, uh, but I, I, I've i spoken with Ian about this. He does not like – he likes to have a deep safety. He doesn't want to give up the the one – the big play. For, I agree. For, I, I agree. Yeah. I think zero is scary. Yeah. Somebody tr once tried to run zero against Oklahoma and gave up 70-something. So. <laughs> and I'm not saying Texas. It was somebody else's. Zero's not. Was it, it 77 to nothing, maybe? Uh, it was, yeah. And Norman. So be, care be careful with zero. <laughs> well, Dennis Franciotti still trying to figure out how that happened. <laughs> speaking of helping the defense, Sharpshooter says, with all the multiple ways Texas can hurt you this year, do you see Sark calling more of a ball control clock management game to help keep the defense off the field to save them for the fourth quarter? No, I do not. I think they're going to try to jump on people and then run the ball late. That, that I believe, is the, the recipe for the University of Texas this year. It, jump on them early, run the ball. You have a Texas. I'm telling you guys, I think early Texas is going to have a better defense than offense. They have they they just they've got more proven players on defense at this point in time, in my opinion. Jerry, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Look, I think I I think we're gonna see. Look, Sark's gonna be multiple. I think we're gonna see him play to Quinn's strengths this year, and that's a lot more eleven personnel and throwing the ball all over the lot. Um, I I I think that is where Quinn's strength is, uh, and I think Texas will have their balance in the run game. I believe Stark's always been 52-48, 53-47 run versus pass with the run advantage there. Uh, so just about where you want to be. And that's going to be – that'll be the case. But I think I think Texas uh, – look, Stark's offense at his best is when he's pressing the field vertically, he, horizontally and vertically. Um, and I think you're going to see him press the field vertically this year plenty. I love this one from Colton. I, no, I thank you on the third Orlando defense. <laughs> right. Well, hey, look, there was two ways. I'll never forget being at the, the Cotton Bowl. And I, you would watch B.J. Foster retreat to 25 yards. He was retreating to 25 yards pre-snap. I said, it's a long way to run to make a play against a running quarterback. Yeah. If Lincoln Riley is a smart quarter uh, coach, and you know he's a smart offensive coach, and boy, did that not go well. Yeah, there's two ways to it. You're right. Yeah. All right, guys. Kevin Randolph has a question. He says, what assistants at Texas currently do you see as future head coaches? Well, Kyle Flood's already been a head coach. Um, I, 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 I see – I can see Jeff Choate, who's already been a head coach, but I could see that happening if Texas has enough – I could teach a charge choice being one of those guys like Stan Drayton that goes straight to a head coaching role in college. And I'm not saying next year and two years, but I can see that. I, I think Texas ha could 
could a AJ Milwee be a head coach in the Mac? Uh, without, I mean, that certainly could happen, right? He's been a coordinator there. Yep, yep. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think those are the guys I'm looking at. Uh, Jeff Choate, Tashard Choice, AJ Milwee right now. But a lot of it depends on. One, it depends on the success Texas has the next year or two, three on the field. And two, it depends on what these guys consider a head coaching job they would take if they have an opportunity. Very true. Let's follow that question up with this one, which is related. Hook'em in the VA says, thoughts on what which assistant coach would be the biggest loss to development and the biggest loss to recruiting? I would imagine choice. What do you all that's, think? That's choice for me. Yeah, that's choice for me. Bobby? I mean, look, and Choate's done a great job of linebackers. I'm not taking away from that, but um, Cedric Baxter's competing for a starting job, and that's been helped by Tashard Choice's coaching on how to maximize runs, and he's developed that guy really quick to get him ready to be in this position. Now, he recruited a guy knowing that Cedric Baxter had the mental makeup to do exactly that, but I think Tashard Choice is known as a recruiter. I think he's a great running back coach as well. Hey, Bobby, this question right here, I want you to go ahead and address. It's from Isaac15. He says, <laughs> Hook'em, have y'all ever thought about doing a watch party live stream? Would like to hear y'all's thoughts in or y'all's in-game thoughts while the game's going. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, this is a this talk about teeing you up, Blake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so on uh, on Saturday, Aaron Hogan, who hosted the live stream last night, longtime Austin radio personality, currently with the horn uh, in Austin. He is going to be hoping, hosting a watch with us on uh, Saturdays during the game. It'll start about 10 minutes before the game uh, and then go through the game itself. Uh, Jerry, myself, Eric Naline, Ian Boyd, a host of different IT personalities, Rob Babers uh, on Texas Football Personalities as well, are going to be uh, joining during the broadcast. Uh, it'll be a, a mix each and every week. I'll, I'm going to do the first quarter this week uh, with uh, Aaron, for example. Uh, but uh, long story short, we're absolutely going to do one. It's going to be, we've got a couple of sponsors lined up, Viking Fence, Brain Vault, uh, going to be doing that. We also have a post-game show. Rod and I are returning. Andrew Kelson, the former linebacker that ran down the field with Reggie Bush in the national championship game. Uh, he's going to be uh, with Rod and I on the post-game show. Uh, that'll be brought to you by Flight, by Yingling. Uh, we did this last year, guys. And I, I tell you what, Rod and I and Jerry joined us a couple of times. The, the post game for me was some of the most fun because I got to see the immediate aftermath in the positive and the negative and all over and kind of got to see where the fans were thinking uh, as well as mixed with what I was thinking. And it actually was it was really informative because they also saw some things. People see things that, you know, on a first watch, not everybody gets to see. It was good stuff. Yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, me uh, my time when I'm on during those telecasts to watch along. I I, I want to bring the football and the recruiting aspect to it. So when we're sitting there watching the game, somebody makes a big play. Obviously, we can talk about I can talk about that guy from a recruiting perspective as well. You know, somebody from Alabama makes a big play, man. Chris Braswell. Well, we had this kid in the Under Armour game when I was at ESPN and Under Armour and. Boom, boom, boom. And we're going to incorporate football and the recruiting aspect into that. And I think it's going to be great. It's going to be very informative for all the Texas fans. Well, I think it's great. I mean, we've already talked about this week's show, and Jerry's going to be on in the fourth quarter. And that's perfect because Texas should have 
we think Texas will have a lot of their young players in yeah. at that point, you know, and you'll be able to, that, that's now obviously we'll have stats going on during the game simultaneous to it. So you'll actually be able to see the stats live roll as well. Uh, it should be fun. Aaron's a, a seasoned host. And uh, if you didn't see the live stream last night, he's extremely, extremely knowledgeable about the Longhorns. Yeah, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Emmanuel so Franco one. has one we need to pull up. But, uh, yeah. I don't have my glasses, but we do need to pull this up. Uh, it's at eight nine oh two on Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. Okay, real quick before we get to that, Bobby, uh, can you remind people on the details of the event at the co-op today with Texas One Fund and the UT players from Ted Pair One? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tonight at from six or this afternoon, I guess early evening from six to seven at the co-op. If you're in Austin, take your kid up there and, and have kids. Take your kid up there and get a free autograph, uh, free pictures. Uh, the co-op is hosting an event in partnership with the Texas One Fund. It benefits uh, uh, scholarships for Scott, or for school materials for University of Texas students. Uh, a suggested donation of just $10 to do this, by the way. Uh, guys like uh, Kelvin Banks, Jalen Ford, Jordan Whittington, uh, Burt Auburn. If you want to see the hair for, your, for yourself uh, firsthand, uh, he, they will all be there at this event. Uh, it's going to be a, a great one. And like I said, it, every dollar goes toward a scholarship fund at the University of Texas. Uh, proud to, to be at the co-op. Uh, I won't be there tonight. Me and Jerry, I believe, will be there tomorrow at 3 o'clock for uh, our regular Friday live stream uh, with Rod Babers as well. So join us at either time. If you want to get the athletes, though, in signatures, uh, go go tonight from 6 to 7. Can't beat that. All right. Emmanuel Villafranco, he says, yesterday, Jim Nagy said that uh, Alfred Collins is viewed as a second-round pick based on his flashes since NFL coaches think they can bring out the best in him. That's kind of what you guys have been saying, right? Jerry, get your glasses. Yeah, I don't have them. I wish I did. I didn't know this question was coming. But, yeah, look, I mean, Alfred is one of those players that's so talented that if he puts it together this year, he can go from – a low NFL grade headed into this season, the guy that'll be considered a second round pick. And there's a chance that he could play to a late first round level this year. If he really puts his talent together, which he is that talented, but could only go in the second round uh, once they, you know, get into, okay, well, he wasn't as consistent, but uh, somebody's pointed out in the comments section and look, it, it, these guys are going to draft. If they start to see him uh, reach some of that potential, that the NFL loves this kid. Um, they want to see more out of him this year. But if they see what they want out of this guy, um, I do think he has a chance to be a second-round pick after the season. And by the way, and I didn't bring that up just to say that. I brought that up to say this. For Texas to maximize their season, um, guys like this have to have their best years. That's what all this is about, Bobby, right? If you're going to have that 10-11 win season – these guys have to play at that level. Uh, that's Quinn Ewers as an improved player. That's Alfred Collins. You know, there's some guys you know what you're going to get. Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Jalen Catalan. I think you know what you're going to get with a lot of those guys. There's about four or five guys on this team. Where, Jay, Hall, you know what you're going to get. But it, there's uh, four or five guys on this team where if they get close and they start getting towards that talent level, then you can have a tremendous season. I, I want to say this. Uh, according to the the – Internal stuff I have from some NFL teams. Collins is uh, viewed as a sixth to seventh round pick today. Doesn't mean he has sixth to seventh round talent. Right. That's where he's at so, headed into today. Big, big, headed into today before the season. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know where uh, that guy got his information. Good on him. Uh, hope it happens for Alfred, though. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw this, but Tyler Davis says, my OU fan supervisor just caught me watching this live stream. Doghouse for me. If we didn't need to beat the crap out of them in a couple of weeks, we sure as heck do now. <laughs> so, well, Tyler, good luck with that, and good luck with not getting in trouble at your job. <laughs> All right, Jerry, this next Super Chat is for you. It's from Sports Talk Jay. Thank you, sir. And he says, Jerry, can you touch on 2025 wide receiver Marcus Harris? We made his top 12, but does Texas really push for him? Does he like UT a lot? His highlights are amazing. Uh, Texas will accept gladly accept the commitment from the modern-day 2025 receiver along with the 2025 running back Jordan Davis, and those are two of the top guys on the board. Um, look, it's you know Ryan Williams, DeCorian Moore, Marcus Harris. Those are kind of your top three wideouts right now in the 25 class. There's a lot of talented wideouts, though, in Texas. It's, it's a really strong class. Uh, but, yeah, Marcus Harris, he was at Texas in late July with Jordan Davis, and they made a visit before their season got underway at modern day. Um, I know Texas is trying to get those back, um, those guys back, maybe September 30th for the Kansas game. We'll see. I, I reported inside Texas yesterday that Jordan Davis is talking with his family about that possibility. We'll see if the, they can get those guys back this season. But, yeah, Texas – uh, really likes Marcus Harris. They would gladly accept the commitment from Marcus Harris, as would about any program in the country. He is one of the top wideouts nationally in 2025. And this next one is for all of us. It's a super chat from Jimmy Trevino. And uh, he says, first, Blake, what do you think about teasing Texas 28-5 and over 52 and a half? I like it. I think that's definitely going to hit. And then he says, Jerry and Bobby, what's your prediction on Utah versus Florida? No Cameron Rising. Is he for sure out? Yes. Yeah, they're saying he is for sure. He's been ruled out because I, earlier in the week, I think Florida was thinking he might end up playing. They, they, that's what they're saying in Utah. I don't look saying for sure when I'm not on the beat. Right, 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 right. Is it tough? Um, look, my my prediction is you, Florida beat him last year with Anthony Richardson at quarterback. Yeah, I thought they beat them literally because they were just as physical and Richardson could move in the pocket. I don't know that they're going to be as good moving the football. I expect Utah to win that game at home. That hey, Jerry, did did they get off in time? Did Florida get off in time with the hurricane? Well, yeah, what they did, Florida was originally scheduled to fly out Wednesday from Gainesville. They changed that. They flew out Tuesday, went to Dallas, practiced, I believe, maybe in the Star, and then flew on up to Utah uh, yesterday. Interesting. Because I the hurricane coming, I knew – you had said they were they had not decided to go. I the other piece of that, Jerry, that they're going to altitude. Uh, altitude. That's correct. And so, it's interesting they're not going watch to the big team, watch the Big 12 teams when they go to BYU this year. It's interesting that that was kind of an interesting thing to me when I heard they were leaving Wednesdays. Why are you going altitude the day? But wouldn't you want to practice a couple of days before the game? Really get adjusted to it, but you know, maybe they have the best Gatorade over there. I don't really know. <laughs> but Utah does, Utah returns their entire defensive front. Um, I think that'll be interesting against Florida for Florida. Hey, hey not many people know this. Did y'all know Gatorade, while created at the University of Florida, it was actually a University of Texas graduate that created Gatorade at I did University not know that. Yeah. That's a good little trivia. Also worth I mentioning. I see some familiar names in the comments. Hello, uh, former, <laughs> former basketball teammate, man. Guy I grew up with. Great dude. 
Uh, also worth mentioning that Florida's starting center and defensive end are most likely both out tonight as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see how Florida handles that uh, Utah defensive front because that those are some strong guys at the point of attack. No doubt about it. All right, another super chat here from Nick Catherall. He says, projection for the four deep at defensive tackle for 24 if we only return Carter, Mitchell, and Bryant. With Hill and LaFowle at linebacker, will our front seven take a huge step back? Um, well, you have Dre Bledsoe, who's really coming on. Um, so you have Car- you have Carter, Mitchell, Dre Bledsoe, Aaron Bryant to start. DeAndre Robinson, Alex January, early enrollees. Um, you figure one of those guys for sure will be ready to play. I mean, look, Sadir Mitchell's ready to help you and give you snaps this year. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect anything less out of the guys coming in. Um, and I think Texas, if you know, look, if Don McKinley ends up going AM's way or OU's way and end up signing there in December, um, then I, I Texas will look in the portal if they can find a Trill Carter level player. Those D linemen, um, those D linemen are. They're tougher to find in the portal, though. The, the war daddies aren't jumping into the portal, and if they do, there's normally a reason. And there was one last year that jumped in, and Texas didn't pursue him. Um, so it, it, that's uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm not as worried about look, and you got to get through this. I mean, see what type of season Byron Murphy has. Does he come back, or does he go pro? I mean, that's really what's going to tell the story there as far as what Texas will do. Um, at defensive line in the portal, I think, Bobby. I agree. Uh, because you also don't know about injury. Yeah. You know, we got to keep that in mind. We're, you're talking about a perfect season in, in uh, that sort of thing. And Alfred Collins could actually take a COVID year as well. So uh, there, there's some, there's some, uh, uh, I want to say, what's the best term? There's some leeway there to figure out what's going. I would right now, if I'm predicting it, they take at least one defensive tackle, true defensive tackle, in the portal, uh, likely a nose tackle more than a defensive a, a three technique. Somebody asked about Brandon Baker. You don't have to pull that up, Blake, but Brandon Baker, um, I had an update on him on Inside Texas this morning. Um, I, I think, look, there's reason for Texas to continue to be confident. That's just not from Inside Texas intel, but that's also within our on three network. Um, he's remains scheduled to visit Nebraska September 16th. I think he, he'll make a decision. You know, could be late September, as early as late September. That's what people are starting to say out on the West Coast. So we'll see uh, when that decision is actually made. I know Oregon has not – they've been thinking he'd make a decision in October. So if he speeds that up a little bit, that may not be good for Oregon. We'll see. I think Texas has a reason to feel pretty decent about this one. Okay, guys, we got time for just a couple more questions before we wrap this one up for today. This is a super chat from R. Gilbert 33 he says, while my head says no, my heart wants to see a Texas-Oklahoma State Big 12 championship game. That would be a perfect end to the 2023 revenge tour. What y'all thought? I agree, kind of. How do you predict Oklahoma State this year, though? I mean, like, I agree on the premise. Yeah, I don't think you can predict Oklahoma State. They lost too much on offense and defense. Yeah. I mean, now Colin Oliver – uh, is back. Uh, the big running back uh, from uh, Euless Trinity. What's his name? Jerry. The yeah, the, yeah. that played for them last year that Texas right. looked at late. Right, um, right. They've got they've got some guys. I think Bradford's going to be their quarterback. But I I don't I don't see 
I don't see them being a factor in the Big 12 race at this point. I would I would bet like Central Florida has more of a chance to end up in the Big 12 ga- championship game than Oklahoma State right now. Something like that. Yeah. Somebody All said if Oak State makes it to the Big 12 championship, that roster put Gundy in the Hall of Fame. I'd agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie Gordon was the running back you're thinking of. Ollie Gordon from Ulysses. Yeah. There yeah. you go. All right. Uh, well, I know I said two more, but we got another super chat, but so we got to do it real quick. C note says, Hey guys, longtime fan off the rails going into the SEC with a new quarterback. Do you see Texas as a top tier, middle, or low tier in that conference? Well, I don't low tier, no, absolutely not. Um, I mean, look, there's different ways to look at that. I mean, the year Texas goes into the SEC, LSU will also have a new quarterback. I mean, so there'll be other programs with new quarterbacks as well. Um, so there, it's not always, it's not going to be the same 14 starters in the SEC at quarterback when you go in. But the other thing is Texas also going to have a very experienced offensive line with a lot of talent, with maybe the most talent they put on the field on the offensive line in a long time, maybe since Ricky's senior year when you had Leonard and though all those guys, right? Um, so there's two pieces to that. Will Texas be able to protect a first-year starter quarterback better? I would say, yeah. It's a grown-up offensive line with a first-round pick at left tackle and a few other NFL draft picks on that line. So um, I, I, I'm – the biggest thing for me, Bobby, in the offseason is tight end. I think that, you know, a tight end playmaker for them, obviously you're going to lose wide receiver talent to help that young quarterback. Um, but Texas is going to recruit just fine. The portal has tons of wide receivers in it. I think finding a pass-catching threat at tight end in the portal is going to be key uh, for that move to the SEC in year one, Bobby. Um, I would say middle um, at this point, uh, depending on portal. That, that's kind of my my fair shake. Uh, the, you got to remember, most of Texas's true NFL talent, like high-end NFL talent, are in the freshman and sophomore classes. So next year, they'll only be juniors and seniors. That's not upper class. Right. So, um, so the first year, I think it's going to be mid-tier, maybe. Okay, guys. The last question for today, and it's from Zach Smith. He says, who's a player from the 23 class that's not expected to contribute this year that you are most excited for over their time at Texas? That's a great question. Uh, Now, contribute, let's say, Bobby, let's say uh, Jelani McDonald's going to be on special teams, Derek Williams on special teams. So maybe we don't include those guys. I don't know. Maybe Derek Williams you could include. Um, I'll tell you who I'm intrigued by. Um. I'm intrigued, and I'm not saying I'm, – I'm looking forward to seeing what he develops into as a guy like Darian Gallette because I think his athleticism has kind of been forgotten because he had the ACL injury, missed his whole senior year. He's he's learning how to play the linebacker position this year. He's never learned that before, and he missed his whole senior year of high school football. He was a jack of all trades. But he pound for pound may have been the best athlete in that class. So I'm always interested to see what that guy can develop into um, with a year to learn a position, Bobby. There's a lot of guys here that you could choose. I think that's that's a credit to, to Steve Sarkeesian and how he's created this roster. I wrote down two names. Granted, I don't know, I don't know where they're gonna be. Um, 
this year, partially. So if I knew for a fact that Warren Roberson wasn't playing special teams to start the season, I would put Warren Roberson in this, this kind of mix. I think if Texas is, remains healthy on the offensive line all year, that means Trevor Goosby's not going to be forced to play. Correct. He's the other one. Yeah. And so those two, and I, I would add a, a third uh, based on what I've heard. And again, it, it comes to when guys make plays is when I take notice. I've heard Billy Walton's made plays. So those three, I don't expect necessarily to be focal points, but I can bet you that Warren Roberson gives Jalen Gilbo a run for his money at star next year. If Jelani McDonald doesn't. So just trying to think through that. That's a good question. Hey guys, uh, before we get going, uh, Blake, I want to say this. Uh, thank you so much to Nate Boyer. I want to do this and this is just going to come from me. Uh, we're going to, uh, as part of, coffee and football we're going to send a hundred dollar donation uh to the uh, the his foundation uh if y'all don't mind that that that's a i think the right thing to do i didn't promise him that before he came on or anything that but merging vets and players foundation uh, we're going to do that after this show i'm going I'm to get with the guys and uh send them a hundred dollars thank you for him joining us uh and please join rod babers got football theory at noon today uh and then Justin and Joe come back with question answer, questions answered tomorrow or later tonight. Uh, Blake, you and I and Jerry are back again tomorrow morning. That's I'm excited. Right. Let's do we this. Will. <laughs> we will be oh, here. Actually, hey, wait, I'm out. I'm not Go back ahead. with you guys tomorrow. Yeah, you're you're in. I, I'm in, I'm I'm actually going to be. Justin's going to sit in for me because I'm headed to Austin to right. be at the co-op at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I'm right. ready for football, man. That means tomorrow's travel day. There you go. <laughs> you know how exciting travel day is in football. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. One day away when we get, join tomorrow morning. It'll be awesome. So that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football Today, Coffee and Football. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. All of our super chats there are definitely plenty of them today. Uh, don't forget to head on over to Inside Texas for all the latest and greatest in the coverage one dollar for one month over at insidetexas.com and then as bobby said later on today on on texas football a lot more content coming up be sure to like and subscribe and then don't forget to ring that bell so it'll notify you anytime we post a new video and yeah so for bobby burton and jerry hamilton i'm blake monroe and we'll see you tomorrow morning